0: Australia scrims from one side to the other. Get to the ball to Morgan. Morgan crosses the twiggy. Comes away to
1: O'Neill. Goal! No, no. No, let's go. You're listening to Ladies and Ladies. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Ladies Who League. We have a lot of sport to get through this morning, so let me introduce you to my panel so we can get straight into it. I've got Elle Alsop from Fox Sports. I'm very happy to see you, Elle, because last night I literally thought you may have been on fire.
2: Hi Mary, thanks for having me. I like to think I'm always on fire, but uh, no, last night was just a uh, a mix-up with the fire alarm. Apparently someone burnt some toast.
1: And what's happened to that person who's burnt the toast, Del? Are they still working at Fox Sports? I believe they
2: were immediately escorted from the premises.
1: Well, do you know what? (laughs) We found the person that burnt the toast. We've got a former Fox Sports employee, Nathan Brooks, this morning. Hello. (laughs) Good
3: morning, Mary.
1: Nathan, what was on the toast?
3: Uh, it wasn't <laughs> much, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it was an unfortunate accident. I did leave on good terms. <laughs> it wasn't like I was trying to burn down the place or anything. <laughs> Look, but, the Dragons um, results yeah. haven't been yeah, that exactly. bad. Like
2: you don't need to burn down Fox Sports <laughs> to get your point across. He was just Burned missing up. the place. He comes back occasionally, makes dinners. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. No, it's a very good kitchen set up there. <laughs> no. So I went home and after not working there, I was like, I better go back and cook some toast. Like the sandwich press is pretty good for steaks as and well. And of course
2: the income is much less, so you're
3: living exactly. off toast at the moment. I exactly. have heard
1: of people using sandwich pressures to make steaks. Like, is that actually a yeah, theme? George Foreman. Yeah.
3: yeah, exactly. It's pretty much a George Foreman grill without the like frayed edges
1: there you go i I don't eat meat so that's probably why i don't know and i've got to introduce everyone to Brittany carter again my fabulous producer who is not only producing but on the mic this morning as well
4: good morning brit i might get you to (laughs) juggle
1: as well you're already doing everything can you juggle while you're doing all this as well
4: i got some balls for me i'll give it a go (laughs) why not
1: (laughs) can do anything brit all right first thing i wanted to get into was the olympics we'll do a quick olympics wrap up um on Monday morning, the curtain finally closed on Rio 2016. There were some great moments. Some of my favourites included the Women's Rugby 7, Chloe Esposito in the pentathlon. I loved watching the Boomers and the Opals play despite not perhaps getting the result they wanted, um, but there were also some some heartbreak as well for our athletes like Kate and Bronny Campbell, the Opals, um, the Boomers and also the Matildas. There's been a lot of talk in the papers this week about who is to blame, and I'm putting blame in inverted commas about the disappointing, again, in inverted commas, results of our athletes. Nathan, I want to ask you, were you disappointed in our athletes following the Olympics?
3: Look, when we sort of went into the Olympics, we thought that they would perform quite well. There was predictions like Sports Illustrated had us at like 20 gold. Grace Note had us at 16. So I guess when you look at it and we – pretty much matched what we did at London. Like, it is sort of disappointing, but it's not that we're disappointed in the athletes as such. I think that we have to look and see what's happened in terms of how we've prepared for the olympics there's a lot of good nations out there that are throwing a lot of money at the olympics in particular you know you see brazil obviously wanted to win as many medals as they could and they were they were putting people into pretty much every event that was there you've got the us you know they they had an amazing olympics we're competing against some of these really solid countries you look at the swimming hungary Like Katinka Hoshu won three gold. That's as many as we won in the pool as a nation. Mm. You know, we're coming up against some really good athletes. And yeah, I I think, you know, we've got to look at what we do heading into Olympics and how we prepare ourselves, not only just the athletes, but the teams as well.
1: I think the point that I like to make is that I wasn't disappointed in our athletes at all because they are competing in the hardest competition in the world against the best athletes across the world. But I was disappointed for our athletes because it tugs at the heartstrings when you see Kate Campbell at the pool crying after her performance. The Matildas, like I think everyone in Australia was disappointed for them because that penalty shootout was just heartbreaking. Um, that, that's sort of how I feel about the whole thing.
3: No, definitely. That you you see the, after the penalty shootouts, after the football. I hate penalty shootouts by the way.
1: That's why I'm not a football fan. I can't do it. My heart was just.
3: Well, when you've got a goalkeeper encroaching off the line, some three to four (laughs) meters, you know, it's going to be hard to uh, win those penalty shootouts.
1: Brid, I want to ask you about funding because I know you've read an article this week about how our athletes are funded and Nathan, you brought up a good point. Maybe that's something that we need to think about and yeah. how we fund the particular teams and the particular athletes because there's tremendous disparity for, you know, some athletes that need to quit their jobs and, you know, put everything on the line for Rio and those athletes that are able to make a living out of being a professional athlete.
4: Well, it sort of comes back to the whole women's and men's sport argument in Australia in and in- not even including the Olympics when you think about like the A-League and the W-League and how much difference in funding each club gets – it's a really tough question and I don't have the answers. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't have the I don't think anyone has how... the answers.
1: John Coates thinks he has the answers, yeah. but he's just come out and criticised everyone. So. I think
4: everyone's biased in a way to what sports they like too. And if you're talking about where you're going to allocate funding, everyone's going to pick the sports that they like to watch the most or mm-hmm. the sports they think need it the most. And it's a really difficult situation, but... I don't know. I mean, we did really well in shooting and I don't think anyone expected us to do really well in shooting and archery and, you know, we were talking about... Pentathlon. The, you know, sailing. That was sailing. We've done well yeah, in really London and
3: now Rio in sailing. Let's get some more boats on the water, you yeah, know. I like it.
1: <laughs> but El, I think as well, I want to talk about the Rugby Sevens and the women because I know they're one of your favourite teams. And for me, they're a team that's been centralised in Narrabeen for four years. They've been paid as professional athletes and I think we've seen the result.
2: Yeah, it's it's phenomenal what they've done. They basically proved throughout the year what an incredible team they mm-hmm. are. And I think it's just, it's so great to see it capped off with a gold medal because it really does sum up the fact that they are a world-class team, one of the best teams going around at the moment really, to be perfectly honest. Um I was actually chatting to um, Tiana Pentani who's on The Other Rugby Show with us and she was saying that they do, um, do these uh, non-contact sessions with the boys They actually run rings around the boys. <laughs> they'd, just, they'd run them off their feet. Yeah, right? Effect- absolutely. Effectively. But it's just incredible the sort of um, the athleticism that these girls possess mm-hmm. and, and the backgrounds that they've all come from yeah. and they've been brought together and they are such a tight team. They're um, best friends. It's, it's incredible. But when we talk about
4: their success and why we love them so much and how well they've done this year, it comes back to that funding, doesn't it? And why they've been based at Narrabeen. We're talking about this off air. Should we be putting that much money into all of our sports and making sure that all of our sports are then centralised and have the same sort of, you know, training agreements? Because... They did so well and that was based off the back of being based in Narrabeen, really.
1: And then it's a question of how much money do we want to put into sport? I mean, because the money could be endless. Um, Some people are questioning whether we put any money into sport and I think that sport is extremely valuable. Um, It it just has a capacity to bring people together in a way that nothing else does. What I've also found interesting is people blaming Kitty Chiller. She's not a popular woman. Nathan, what do you think about that? (laughs) Ooh. It was. <laughs> you made a face. So I was like, oh, he's yeah. got something to say here. <laughs> <laughs> Your face no, has deceived you.
3: Yeah. Kitty was, uh, she's interesting. Like over the course of the Olympics, like you saw so much backlash about her being such a face of the team when really, you know, she's not one of the athletes and mm. she's running the show basically. Kind of like and a so, coach almost. Yeah. yeah she's, CEO. what was it? The chef division. Yeah. You know, she's, yeah, she's running everything that's happening on and off the field in Rio. And, you know, when she came back to Australia, she was the first off the plane. And it was like very much, you know, everyone knew who Kitty was. And I couldn't tell you from previous Olympics who the Kitty Chiller equivalent was. And that's, for me, I think she was in the eye of the public a lot and she copped a lot of the flack, obviously. Do you think, sorry to interrupt, do you think
4: that's because, though, there were so many problems leading up to Rio? Yeah. And someone had to be, you know, step up and stand up for the athletes?
3: I guess so. I guess that, that was it. She was the face of, she was trying to, you know, put herself in the position rather than, you know, Anna Mears or, or Kim Brennan, you know, and she she could face the questions of the media and what was happening at Rio in terms of the accommodation and whatnot rather than – I know Andrew Bogart went out on, on <laughs> Instagram and like was showing himself putting up a curtain in, the, <laughs> in, his, in his shower but like at the end of the day, you know, like she has copped a lot but –
1: Kitty was also very public even before all the issues yeah. at Rio started emerging. So if we think about what happened with Nick Kyrgios, people knew who, who Kitty Chiller yeah, was exactly. at that point. And Nathan, you raise an interesting point. I've never known who really a chef de mission is. I know that John Coates used to sort of play yeah. that role, um, but she's been the most public chef de mission that we've ever had. I would have been very interested to see the public's reaction had Australia done really, really well. Yeah. And how how she would have fit into the picture if... um. You know, we'd exceeded expectations on the medal
3: tally. There might have been like a bronze statue outside the AIS of her celebrating Chloe Esposito's gold. You know, with her hands in the air. Didn't she give it some? When she did, you see the photos of her. <laughs> She was because she she was in the modern pentathlon in Sydney. Of
1: course. That's and right. She, was she
3: actually lost it. Like she was one of those fans that you sort of lean away from, you know, when they're <laughs> celebrating a goal or a try. But um yeah, and I was, I was surprised. Like I thought, you know, that Rio could have saved a bit of money in terms of a mascot. They had Vicinius <laughs> that was going around to all the venues. Like they could have just paid Kitty to do it. <laughs> she was everywhere. She
1: was everywhere.
3: <laughs> it was like, yeah. Or would have done what, two what roles. You
1: called her Kitty Chiller, or would we have come up with some Kitty. sort of Pokemon like yeah, yeah, yeah. name for her? <laughs> that is a pretty Pokemon type. Yeah, Kitty? Kitty yeah. yeah, she could have just been Kitty. But I mean, like I don't
3: know. Like, yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: You've got a few options that name. I don't think name. it could be Kitty because Hello Kitty is <laughs> yeah. obviously going to be very prominent when we get to Japan. Yeah. Hashtag goodbye, Kitty. <laughs> 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 Hashtag goodbye, Kitty. Do you know what? Hashtag goodbye <laughs> this segment. We'll be back in a sec. <laughs> I want to start off this segment by saying a big thank you to the Melbourne Storm, possibly for the first time in my NRL life, for uh, giving the Sharks the opportunity to still win the minor premiership. So I think everyone was slightly surprised last night when the Storm went down 26-16 to the Broncos. Elle, did you watch this game? I did watch this game
2: after the fire set in. Weren't the Broncos phenomenal? Like they are truly back in form at the right end of the season. It was incredible to see the turnaround and how fast and sharp they sort of. I think the entire game was played with so much energy was the biggest thing. I mean, working on the game, you sort of <laughs> you're all over the place watching it. But just every time I turn around, something was happening on the field. And albeit maybe not the best <laughs> completion rate entirely, but. The high intensity, the energy, Brisbane, Brisbane under Wayne Bennett, surprisingly peaking at the right time of the year. Yeah,
1: anyone who wrote off the Broncos, that was uh, your error. Nathan, was there an apocalypse last night? Did Cameron Smith get penalised for back-chatting?
3: I think he did.
1: <laughs> there may have been an
3: apocalypse. How about being like a supporter of all the other teams? It's like he's been doing that for years. <laughs> Broncos fans are like, yes, <laughs> we mean. actually got the one penalty penalty that's never happened before in the history of the game.
1: And may never, ever never happen again. again yeah. Look, so we witnessed something very special last night and also Cameron Smith not being fast enough at a dummy half. Did you see that? When yeah. Anthony Milford dived on the ball, I was like, what is going on
4: here? Yeah, something happened. That was happened. a cronk end um, Smith mix up wasn't it? Yeah, well, so Cooper Cronk places. was going
1: in, and then Cameron Smith didn't go in, and then Anthony Milford dived on the ball and sort of looked at everyone like I'm here.
3: And Cronk fell over for that uh, try to Jai gy- Arrow mm. when he was tra- in the in goals when he was trying to pick up the ball. I don't know what's going on, but have you seen his nose recently, Cooper Cronk's nose? No, it is it is a mess. It he needs it to. A few su- times, yeah, I, think. <laughs> I don't know how Tara Rushton can look at him and have a conversation with him without <laughs> looking at that thing. His beak is all over the place <laughs> maybe that's but, what
1: she's looking at uh, I don't know. Uh, he's a <laughs> very
3: handsome guy even with the broken nose but yeah i i was just it was just one of those games where it was just like i think the storm had just got to throw in the bin they've still got another chance to wrap up the minor premiership next week against the sharks and that's awesome but we'll obviously find out later today whether that'll be the case
4: the other great thing um, to come out of last night was the video of Sam Thaiday twerking oh, behind Wayne Bennett, I did not see <laughs> so that celebrating his 250th game win. So
2: Sam is a real character, isn't yeah. he? He's really, he's really shown his character this
4: My year. My favourite
2: part of that was that no one else was watching. Yeah, yeah. so Sam Thaiday did that for himself.
3: It was like <laughs> something you'd see, respects. yeah, in high school, like when the teacher turns yeah. his back <laughs> and he goes up and does something behind <laughs> yeah. the teacher's back. Like it was very funny.
1: Yeah. And of all. <laughs> (laughs) Such as Wayne Bennett as well. That's quite entertaining. The other game that we've had already is the Bulldogs and the Cowboys. The Cowboys won 24-16. Has there been a team that's been more inconsistent than the Bulldogs this year?
3: Yeah, I don't think so. Mm
1: -mm. And I suppose sitting at such a high position on the ladder. like They were in the top four. I don't think they had been playing like a top four team, but that perhaps speaks to the competition that we've had this year where at any point in the season there's sort of been two or three standout teams and then everybody else basically.
3: Yeah, it was a good gauge to see, you know, we had the Cowboys and the Bulldogs who were fighting for a top four position in that match to see where those two teams are. And no doubt the Cowboys are a top four team. They played really well. But the Bulldogs, they they were very average, I thought. At Belmore of all places as well. They
1: don't play that well at Belmore. No, they I really think
3: don't. One from four there since they've gone back to Belmore in the NRL. It's
1: a pretty poor record. I think the other thing I found interesting this week was that so many people were talking about how it was the Bulldogs' biggest ever mistake to let Jonathan Thurston go and how successful he's been at the Cowboys. My view is that I don't think he would, I think moving away from Sydney and the media spotlight has really benefited JT and I don't think he'd be the player he is now if he'd stayed in Sydney.
4: The other argument is he was so young at the time. Mm. And so we've got so many rookies doing so well this year. They've been my favourite part of the game this year. You know, Kerrid Holland, Nathan Cleary. Suis so Ali Vunavalu. Yeah, Latrell Mitchell. I mean, there's so many. And you just don't know. They can either, you know, continue with that form or fame gets to them and, you know, they go down the plug hole. i yeah, <laughs>
1: have had a number of players like that. Tim Smith, anyone? Does anyone yeah. remember
3: Tim Smith? Well, that was the thing with the Bulldogs at the time. There was quite a bit of controversy on and off the field. Mm -hmm. They were a very good team and they had to work out who to keep, who to get rid of. But there was also things happening as well with regards to salary cap and a few other incidents. Mm -hmm. So I think it is a a circumstance where it was good for him to move on. And you know resurrect his career, even though it was still fairly young, mm. and and to get away from the spotlight. I th- I totally agree with you there, Mary.
1: Al, did you see Greg Eastwood score his try? Is there anything more joyous than seeing a large man score a try? No. Short answer, no.
4: Um,
1: <laughs> just the joy on their face when they get up. It's like
2: they've won the lotto. They I
1: really love it. They really don't
4: expect it to, do they? No. <laughs> it was incredible. Oh, my incredible. God, I got there.
2: <laughs> I love I love Greg Eastwood backing himself to step Lachlan Coote. Yeah. Like, that was my favourite part, <laughs> running in. Josh Reynolds is there in support. No, that's all right. I've got full work too, right? I think there was I've quite a nifty sidestep there from I'll, him as well. I loved him. He backed himself on the intercept. He backed himself on yeah. the step. You love to see that. Like, they practice it in training to, to actually <laughs> execute <laughs> in the NRL. Incredible. Desi would it. have been
4: cheering. It was like slow-mo, wasn't it? It was like you knew it was going to happen and then it just happened. Oh, there he goes. There he goes. <laughs> if like... I was
3: reffing it, I would probably just go upstairs just to watch it again. You know, just. <laughs> Actually, can we just watch it again? I'm <laughs> going to give it a try. I have I try actually, want to see it again. I can't believe I that happened. Don't check anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just show me again. Yeah, exactly. yeah. I have a
2: try, but can I see it again in fast motion?
3: Just make sure that's Greg Eastwood scoring that try because it did look a lot like Moses M'Bai.
2: <laughs> There's a guy at work who I call the uh, fastest slow-moving ninja. Awesome. And that was what I thought of when I saw Greg Eastwood. Is it Greg Twilight? Eastwood? Does Greg work at Fox Sports? No, not yet.
1: Did he burn the toast? <laughs> He's on my list now. People um, to employ. People to employ, Greg Eastwood. I'm trying to think who else you could employ. Someone who you. doesn't burn the toast. Yeah, correct. Hmm. Maybe someone who doesn't like toast. There's no risk there. There are also some other very entertaining games coming up this weekend. Al, which one are you most looking forward to watching? I assume not the Wallabies. <laughs>
2: No no comment Um, (laughs) Obviously I'm pretty excited about the Tigers game I'm always excited to watch the Tigers uh, sloppy defence Aside from that uh, I'm actually really excited about the Titans Penrith game Mm -hmm. I I think that's my my interesting game of the round For mine Um, I'm excited about what the Titans have done this season Mm -hmm. Really happy for Neil Henry Um, take the Hain Factor completely out of it. I I love what the Titans have been able to do. I love the excitement in that Penrith team, the youth that's there. There's always something worth watching. Mm -hmm. And again, they're one of those teams that you just want to see do well. So watching the two of them come up against each other on the Gold Coast, cracker. I agree about the Titans. I think they've been a
1: fantastic story this year. No one expected them to make the eight, particularly after the injuries that they had at the beginning of the year and the Daily Cherry Evans backflip last year. And they've been they've been very clever with their salary cap management, but the stars have aligned for them a little bit as well. So having the opportunity to get players like Nathan Peets, Conrad Harrell, and Jared Hayne, I don't think we'll ever see a situation where that calibre of player is available ever again. But with very careful management of their salary cap, they've got those players there and are looking like a really exciting
2: team. You could almost say it's the thing of fairy tales. <laughs> you could, but there are a lot of, fa-
1: uh, there are too many fairy tales because I love correct. a fairy tale. There's the Titans, there's the Raiders, there's Sharks. the Sharks. Like which fairy tale do I choose? I want to Raiders a Sharks grand final, but wow, that'd be pretty cool, I think. Anyway. Onto the grand final (laughs) a bit later on. Nathan, what about you? Which game?
3: Yeah, speaking of Sharks, I think Sharks-Roosters. Now that the Storm have lost and there is going to be a possible playoff for the minor premiership next week, barring the Sharks win this match, I think it'll be a really good game. The Roosters have been playing really well as well. So I think we're in for a very good match.
1: And if you are heading to that game, make sure you get there early because at 6.30, the Cronulla Sharks' nines women's team will be taking on the St. George Illawarra Dragons' nines team as well. So get there. If you can't get there, it will be live streamed on Facebook. So make sure you tune in. Britt, what about you? What are you looking forward to?
4: Uh, both of my games that I'm looking forward to have been mentioned. The women's game is a big one for me. There's about six uh, players from my local area playing, so I'm pumped to see who wins. And I'm sort of backing the Dragons, but I have a feeling the Sharks are going to win because they've got, you know, dilleroes there already. Huge shout out to Erin Blackwell, who's playing for the St. George team. She's a fantastic player and has played Oztag for us a few times, got us a a premier shoot one time because she's just Mm -hmm. got such fast feet. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how that pans out and what comes off the back of that. But Gold Coast and Penrith, I really don't think you can beat that match. And I think it's really exciting what Jared Haynes brought to that team. I know we were talking about this um, before and I don't think that they needed him to be where they are and to make finals but I just think it's so exciting to see how many fans are turning up to Rabina now because Mm -hmm. they have struggled to get crowds there so often and to see it packed when he made his debut for them was, I just had, you know, all these feelings and I couldn't describe them. I don't even care about the Titans normally, yeah. but yeah, no, I think he's bringing great things to them.
1: Big thank you to the Titans for making Brittany feel things. <laughs> <laughs> um, my exciting game is a little bit of an emotional one. So my Eels take on the Dragons on Monday night and it is the final game at Per Tech Stadium before it gets knocked down. Um, per Stadium was the first place that I ever watched a game of football. My dad took me when I was a little girl, so I'm already beginning to feel a little bit emotional. <laughs> I don't think the game will be particularly good. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the dragons can show something. Nathan, what do you think? Something They'll
3: definitely provide 17 people to turn up to the game. (laughs) Uh, There will be a contest of some (laughs) description. But uh, yeah, maybe we will give you guys a nice sending off present. That would be lovely.
1: That would be really kind. Give us a storm. Like the storm have allowed the shark to perhaps get their minor premiership. Allow us to leave. Parramatta Stadium with just some feelings of joy. (laughs) Two
3: points. If you score 14 points, it it pretty much guarantees a win for Parramatta at the moment the way the Dragons are playing in terms of attack. I reckon less.
4: I'm a Dragons fan.
1: I
3: can say it. All right, so
1: so if the Eels get a penalty, I'm just going to yell, take the
3: two. Just take take the the two (laughs) two all night. That's going to be the hashtag going out to Parramatta. Take the two. Seven of them will get you home.
4: Two-nil probably wouldn't even be a score we'd get beaten by. (laughs)
1: We've made all these jokes down. We've cursed them. Parramatta are going down on Monday night. Thank you all. I knew that this was your ploy. Um, So goodbye, Eels. Goodbye, Parramatta Stadium. It's been a very exciting week in Women's Rugby League this week, with the New South Wales Rugby League announcing earlier this week the formation of a new women's competition, the Tasha Gale Nines, to run alongside the existing Harold Matz and SG Balls comps from next year. So this is going to be a nine-week under-18s, a side tournament, uh, with the goal being an elite seniors competition in 2019. Not only that, but as I've already mentioned, this afternoon prior to the game before the Sharks and the Roosters, the Sharks' 9s women's team will take on the Dragons' women's team. Joining us, we have Alana Ferguson, current Jilleru, New South Wales representative and champion, I'm just going to throw that in, and one of the members of the Sharks team for this afternoon. Hello Alana, how are you?
0: Very good. Thank you, Mary. Very excited.
1: We are all very excited for you. Alana, this has been a massive week in Women's Rugby League. What has been your favourite moment? Have you got a highlight yet?
0: Um, I think my highlight will probably come this afternoon when I actually get to wear that Sharks jersey for real and run onto the field. But, um, yeah, really looking forward to it. And it's just been a week that's been full of amazing opportunities. So
1: it's really, it's, it's all really been exciting. And Alana, what's the preparation been like going into tonight's game?
0: Preparation's been quite professional, actually. We've had um, we've been training Tuesdays and Thursdays for oh, a little under two months, and um, we've had a couple of Sunday sessions as well, comprising of video sessions, whiteboard sessions, and then obviously our field sessions. So, um, yeah, look, I think we're pretty prepared. We've we've had to learn a game and learn to ha- learn how to play a game that we're not really quite used to as such so um it's been interesting but also a huge learning
3: curve for all of us Alana it's Nathan here just wanted to ask a question I'm a Dragons fan and (laughs) good luck to you tonight
2: (laughs) don't hold that against him
3: but I wanted to ask how's the rivalry been this week between the players has there been a bit of talk a bit of trash talk amongst you
0: especially um, Kezzy and a few of us girls. We were at the, <laughs> a media announcement earlier in the week, so we spent a little bit of time together and we're constantly back and forth with messages regardless of what's happening. So, look, there's been a tiny little bit of rivalry, um, all in great spirits. And, yeah, it's just a wonderful opportunity for both teams and the fact that we get to play against one another is kind of cool too.
1: Alana, I want to ask you about the announcement earlier this week. A couple of people have been asking me about how this competition is different to what we have now. Can you tell us about the opportunities that currently exist for women to play rugby league?
0: In the juniors or in seniors? In In either.
1: In either. Does this fill a gap for us?
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't think it's a secret within sport that it all starts at the ground roots and it all comes and develops from our juniors. So I think the fact that New South Wales Rugby League have acknowledged that and, push the junior comp to be created first. Um, I mean, we'd love for ours to be done now as well, but it's it's take, it's take giving us two years to kind of develop those players and really get them up to scratch so that our women's comp, when it does happen in 2019, will, will be at a strength that'll just be mind-blowing. So I think the girls, this is the first year that Sydney's had a competition for the Pathways. So after 12 and when I was little, we couldn't play anymore but now they've got a 13th to 15th comp and they've got a 16th to 18th comp. So that happened this year for the first time in Sydney and it's just huge that New South Wales have acknowledged how incredible that's gone and how well it's kicked off and that they've created this opportunity for girls to, to strive towards and to get more players in our game. So I think the fact that they've given the girls this opportunity, it's just going to get more players involved and then hopefully that'll um, increase the player pool And the amount of opportunities and when we can kick off our news comp in a couple of years, it'll just be at a level that no one's ever seen it before. So it's very exciting.
1: Ms. I think that's the key. So, so many people are stomping up and down and wanting the NRL to launch a women's competition. But... I want the women's competition, but I want it to be sustainable and to ensure that we absolutely have the talent to maintain, however many teams we announce. So by starting this competition first, I think it gives us a really good basis to start that seniors competition in a couple of years.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think it's a bit—it's a bit of a touchy subject for um, some of us girls and the senior players that are playing at the moment because um, we just would love it for it, for it to be us, but again, in in a real aspect a realistic look at it, we need to really strengthen the younger players that are coming through and get more players in the game because that's how our comp will be sustainable. So it's, it's tough because we're kind of ready to do it now and we're so excited about everything that's happening. But I think it's exceptional that they're giving these girls the opportunity
4: and something to strive towards. And, yeah, it's only going to benefit the senior comp when it comes into play as well. Alana Britt here. Who do you actually support in the NRL and what made you play for the Sharks?
0: Uh, I've been a diehard Sharkies fan forever. I grew up in the Shire when I was younger and because um, I played footy from 5 to 12. So I've just lived and breathed it my whole life and have always gone for the Sharkies. So the fact that this opportunity here is amazing, but being able to wear the Sharkies colours is just beyond a dream come true. So I'm really, really privileged and humbled to be a part of it.
2: Alana L here. Just a question for the girls out there who are whatever age they are, and they want to get involved, what's the best way to go yeah. about it?
0: Um, sign up to your local competition. So as I said before, we've got – there are junior pathways. So it doesn't matter what your age is. Now, you can play from five all the way through to 50 if you if your body's holding up. But
2: Yes, still a chance.
3: You
0: know, <laughs> 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 yeah. So I'm not sure I'll last that long. But um, I play for Kamala Cone, we've got our final today actually at um, – at about lunchtime, but yeah, you just have to join up with your club and get involved in the game, and the opportunities will come from there.
2: Did I hear that right? You're gonna play two games yeah. today.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm actually what well, you're on loudspeaker, and I'm braiding my
1: hair ready for the final round. <laughs> <laughs> you are phenomenal, Alana. Now, my I've got a question too. So, I was ready to get behind the sharks this afternoon. You know, you're playing, Ruan's playing, Sammy's playing, Maddie's playing, but then I looked at the St. George lineup. And Kesey Apps is playing, and Kezie is um, one of my favourite players. Alana, why should we support the Sharks this afternoon? Give us your best case.
0: She's one of my favourite players too, so <laughs> I won't be too disappointed. But um, look, I think you should go for us because we're Sharkies are the first team to have created this opportunity, and thankfully the Dragons put their hand up, and the club invested in the girls to. Uh, Um, to bring it to us and to play against us. So I think it'll be a great match no matter who you go for, but up the Sharkies.
1: So, okay, Sharks for the win, Kezi for woman of the match. What do you think? Is that a fair trade-off? I'm on
0: board. I'm on board.
2: (laughs) (laughs)
1: We've got Alana on board. Well, Alana, good luck in your finals today. Have a great time this afternoon and hopefully plenty of people get out there to cheer you on. Britt, I'm very excited about this next interview. I'm going to let Wendy Fox, who our next guest is, introduce herself properly and introduce her work. But all I'll say to start with is that Wendy is a Melbourne-based designer and illustrator. Good morning, Wendy. How are you? Good morning. I'm really well. Thank you. Thank you for joining us and for making the time. We really appreciate it. That's okay. I'm really happy to do this. It's great. Now, Wendy, tell us about your project that you're currently Uh working on. Oh, yes,
5: I am. Um, Well, it's a continuation of a project that I started four years ago um, when I was watching the London Olympics. And I, you know, I must have been a seed that was planted when I was really young. I did a lot of ballet growing up. So, you know, what your body looked like in relationship to what you're doing, Was a bit of a thing. And then, you know, I was watching London Olympics and I was so amazed by how diverse female athletes are physically. And it just, it really struck me as something that we don't really acknowledge or talk about. We generally talk about how women look in this very specific way, this very specific body type. And I thought, you know, here are women doing incredible achievements, incredible feats. And we should really be looking at them as positive role models for all of them, not just. You know, ones that sort of fit more of that prescribed model mold. And you know, I, I was curious. It was so interesting to actually line them up and all have have a look at them. And then I think I was talking to my husband about it, and he's an architect. And so you know, we both sort of work with data every now and then. And, and he said, you yeah, know, you could probably get that data. Like it's probably available. I'm like, really? And so just you know, it's just an idea that was just brewing in my head. And the games are still going. And I went onto the London Olympics website. And for every athlete, there's a little sort of personal page with all their you know, basic information, their age, where they're from, and what events they're in. And then it has their height and their weight. And I thought, well, if it, is, it does exist. And so I kind of thought, well, maybe I'll just chart it because it'd be really interesting to look at the, the extremes as well as the middle range. And so I just thought I'd do more of a standard, just very basic chart of this information and then And then I I sort of played around thought, well, it should be more interesting to look at it as a piece of information design that does represent the athlete in some way. And so that's when I started playing around with illustrating them and how I was going to represent them and sort of what would be the controls, what would be the variables. And then I also realized, we are talking about a large group of people because there's a lot of women that compete in the Olympics. So I had to narrow it down to, it made sense, to narrow it down to the women who won gold And there were 276 women who won gold medals in London, 139 gold medals. But when you count in all the team sports and some women win multiple gold medals, that's how many it ended up being. And so then I just started I started illustrating them and just coming up with how how I was going to design it and explore it. And it took me quite a while because it was a side project. So it was definitely, you know, I did it on the side. It wasn't, nobody was asking me to do this. But I think once I started doing it, it just kind of took on a life of it. So then I would stop it for a bit and come back to it. And then I didn't fully finish it. And I didn't really engage the world in it in any way. I just, I really did it privately alone until I completely finished it. And then I started sort of trying to put it out there. I hadn't used social media a lot before then. And so I was total novice with all that stuff. <laughs> but I just started sort of trying to send it to people who I thought, might find it interesting and they did, like, oh, this is really amazing, this is, this is really cool and, um, you know, and I sold some posters and then after that I actually started submitting it to some design competitions.
4: One of the things that really strikes me about the poster that you made for London Mm. It's the height difference between some of the athletes. I mean, we see them on TV and we we can see the physicality and and their muscles are different. Mm. But when you actually see how tall some of them are and how short some of them are, I I thought that was super interesting.
0: It is. It's really –
5: well, that's what I thought was so interesting too because it is so – it's really, really extreme. And it's becoming – like as sports science evolves and continues to evolve and everything becomes increasingly sports-specific, uh, that is going to continue to happen. And so I think the thing, the first thing when I did London that just blew my mind completely was how short the fastest woman in the world is. So, she, like, shelly anne Fraser-Price won gold in London. She didn't win gold in Rio. She came second by just a little bit. But in London, she, she's five foot. She's 152 centimetres tall. She's Pocket an rocket. Yeah, pocket rocket. She's a pocket rocket. So she's tiny. She's tiny. And then you get, and I really like what I've done for Rhea because I started doing it for Rhea. And, you know, I did it. I had Simone Biles next to who is, you know, well and truly under five foot.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: Standing next to Michelle Carter, who is the American woman who won the gold medal for the chocolate. And the difference between those two. And, you know, that's
1: pretty cool. So, Wendy, you obviously embarked on that project for London, but the project mm-hmm. is a lot bigger now for Rio. Can you tell us about your Kickstarter yes, campaign and the role <laughs> that social media has played and just yes. fill everyone in on what's happening this time?
5: Okay, so what's happening this time, I um, I decided not super long time before the Olympics, but I did decide I wanted to do it again for Rio, but I wanted to do it in conjunction with the Olympics as much as possible to bring... To use the Olympics to bring awareness to the project, so it, you know it's very timely, and but to raise funds so that I could focus on it primarily rather than just doing it on the side on top of all my other work. So I did do a, I did a Kickstarter. It finished yesterday, <laughs> and it did get funded. But this Woo-hoo! time, what I am yes, <laughs> We're right. very happy um, for that news. <laughs> and Sorry. and you you're very you it's you know it's totally social media. Digital world dependent to raise that kind of money. It was um, it was a pretty amazing experience. The you know when it really did start to sort of it was a bit of a trickle at first, but as it started to get out to people all over the world and people started engaging it and want to help support it and were tweeting about it on my behalf and all this it was pretty it was pretty amazing. Um, but the big thing I'm doing this time I will still do the poster, um, but I'm doing I'm doing a book which will, you know, it'll show all the athletes, and you'll, you'll go through the book, and I'm pretty sure I haven't fully decided that I will do them in height order. It'll either be height order or by sport, which is also quite an interesting way to look at it, um, sort of by sport alphabetically. And I also want to get into exploring within each sporting, not event, but each sort of area of sport, so within gymnastics, within track and field, within long-distance running, what are the sort of special traits that those, what are the qualities of those athletes?
4: And so this so, is much, you're, you're doing this list this on your Kickstarter page um, for girls yeah. as well. So you mentioned only one in 10, 14-year-old girls do the required amount of weekly exercise. Now you've got a daughter yourself. She's been a hobby yes. this morning. Is this, yeah. as, is this as much for her growing up as well? Absolutely. It's not like,
5: you know, when I was doing this and by doing gold medals, I'm not saying, okay, everyone, you can go be a gold medalist now. It's not, it's not what I'm saying, but it's a way to inspire a girl to participate in sport in a tool that's fun to look at. It's very digestible. It's engaging. It's an interesting way of looking at the information. And and also, it shows, because I've shown every sport equally, I haven't given weight some sports over other sports and in the media a lot of a lot of people don't see a lot of the sports that are actually available to play and if you don't see it you can't partake in it so I feel like it's a really useful way to help girls engage in sport and it's really good for them to engage in sport not just because they need to exercise but I think it's something to focus on it requires some you know dedication persistence practice and is you know just a healthier thing for girls to do when they're growing up. And there's a lot of evidence to suggest that girls who've played a team sport do better in the workplace later on and, and all that kind of stuff. So that's, um, that I, I think I would like to have this in schools. And a couple of schools, there is a school that did buy a number of books, which was really great. So I would like to send it, get it in schools because I think it'd be really, they like could just have it in the library or have the PE teachers engage with kids about, it. you know, have a look at this and it'll talk about these are some of the sports that you might be really suitable for.
1: I was going to say that's wonderful, Wendy, because as I said, like, I love the idea of the book and I love celebrating women in sport, but I think it's so much about giving young girls the opportunity to see what's possible for them and to let them know about sports and athletes that they may not have known about before. Speaking of yeah. that, do you have a favourite story to come out of this year's Olympics or a favourite female athlete? Oh, there's a few. I mean, I'm pretty in awe of
5: um, Katie Ledecky, i mm-hmm. have to say. You know, when people are that focused. I mean, obviously, she's like phenomenally talented and, you know, she's that extreme of, you know, it's people like that. And even um, the young Canadian Penny, it's a, I don't know how to pronounce her name, Alexiak, um, she was... You know that kind of blows my mind, given how young she is to win. She won the 100 meter freestyle and the rugby girls. The rugby that was amazing. Mm-hmm. That. that and was, Chloe. Yeah, Chloe. And Chloe
1: Esposito. Like there were just so many. We could go on all morning. But Wendy, yeah,
5: but the, I think the rugby girls were pretty – that was pretty exciting.
1: That was uh, one of my favourites and we've been talking yeah. about that a lot on this show. Wendy, congratulations on your Kickstarter. Ladies Who League was very, very happy to contribute and to have our name yeah. as a patron in the book. Hopefully, <laughs> you'll uh, sign the book for us. <laughs>
5: yes. and when we well, re- thank you. Yeah. We'll, yeah, I will.
1: No, when we receive it, we'll uh, definitely take some pictures with it and I can't wait to see it because your designs are extraordinary and your attention to detail is quite outstanding. Too so I I saw Charlotte Kazlick and you've uh yeah. you've successfully been able to draw her with uh, one of her braids undone which is yeah. uh, one of her characteristics <laughs> so it's clear that you've yeah, been that paying was... attention
5: yeah yeah no I I I do like to I do like to give them that little special little bit of detail and they're they're runners like I make sure their their shoes are pretty accurate and if they have a bandage and and I'm and I'm going to be looking out for tattoos as well I wanna I wanna get them you know. Because I am leaving their faces blank intentionally, so I have to make up for those recognising details in other ways.
1: Wendy, we can't wait to get a copy of our book. Congratulations and keep doing what you're doing, it's outstanding for women's sport. time for my favourite segment. It's Mary's Mix-Up. I've got two things to share with you today. The first one is Moana Hope, who has made history by becoming the first woman to kick 100 goals in a VFL season. So Moana plays for the St Kilda Sharks and she kicked the goal 12 minutes into her game last Sunday. Uh, what I loved was after she kicked that goal, her teammates raced around to surround her and then her brothers, sisters and cousins joined her for a performance of the haka. Now, apparently in Moana's family... Uh, they do the haka before any big family occasion so it was wonderful to see them all celebrating this historic event the other thing that i wanted to mention and this will be, probably be the last thing we talk about on rio 2016 is japan's prime minister who stole the show at the closing ceremony when he appeared as super mario so in the handover to Tokyo for the 2020 Games, a video featuring all things Japan like sumo wrestling and Hello Kitty played at the ceremony. The animation ended with Mario teleporting from Tokyo to the closing ceremony in Rio. And then from a green pipe in the stadium popped out uh, someone dressed as Mario and the crowd was all delighted when it was the president of Japan. So that was awesome and already looking forward to Japan 2020.
2: Radio Hub is Australia's premier podcasting facility. With high-quality sound equipment and production services, Radio Hub is a one-stop shop for all your podcasting needs. So, if you're ready to jump into the exciting realm of podcasting, contact Radio Hub on 0402 870 900 or email info at radiohub.com.au.
1: And that's another show done and dusted. Al, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. I'm not going to talk to you about the men's rugby, but it has also been a good week for the Australian Women's Rugby Sevens. It's been a good month for them. It's It's been a good year for them. But what was the announcement this week?
2: I was very excited to see in my inbox a advanced release for Sydney Sevens tickets next year and uh, Charlotte Kaslich, front and centre, mm-hmm. leading the post-start, the, the marketing, and just... I guess, so I went this year at the beginning of the year and we went largely to watch the the girls play three games, three games against Ireland, Ireland I believe it was. Ireland, that's right. Um, friendly games, uh, a little bit one-sided. It's amazing to be able to watch the entire competition with the women playing a, prop, a full competition in Sydney for the Sevens. I think that's epic.
1: I'm really excited about that. The only concern is that it is likely to be the same weekend as the Auckland Nines, so... People may That's need to That's some terrible it. scheduling. It is, New Zealand, but I'm look, looking at you. It was the same
2: thing last year as well, so I look, think... Look, don't get me started on the NRL and their
1: scheduling. Well, I was sort of looking at the scheduling, trying to work it out, and All Stars from memory is on the 10th, and the 9s is usually the weekend before, and I feel like there's rugby the weekend before the nines in New Zealand. So hopefully I won't have to make a choice, but regardless, it is so exciting that we're going to have the women's tournament here. So everyone will be able to get
2: out there and and support our gold medalist and world champions. Who will also be uh, coming into our show, The Other Rugby Show, which records at Fox Sports on a Sunday night at 8.30. So we've got a couple of the girls coming in. So it'd be great to congratulate them after their gold medal win if you want to come along. Um, get involved with uh at the other rugby show on Twitter and Instagram if you want to come along.
1: So just send a tweet or
2: how does it work, Elle? Uh yeah. Just <laughs> Or just turn up. <laughs> find, find find the social <laughs> Find the socials. Get in touch with us on the socials and we'll get back to you.
1: I'm going to Newcastle tomorrow for old boys games. So if I get home from Newcastle in time, I may even make a trip out and get a cheesy photo with uh one of our Rugby Sevens players, not sure who yet, but they're all superstars, so it doesn't really matter. Fantastic. Come along. Excellent. Nathan, thank you so much for coming in. It's been a lot of fun.
3: No problems, Mary. Thanks for having us. You've
1: brought a lot of laughter into the studio this morning. (laughs) Look, Elle usually brings a lot of laughter, but the two of you combined has been a lot of fun.
3: No worries. Thanks for having us.
1: And uh, hopefully my eels get over your dragons. On Monday night. Look, if you could just give me that. I invited you onto my show. That, that's the... Um...
3: I'm sure we can arrange that's, something. That's the
1: penance. Yeah. That's you the were allowed penance. to come yeah. on now and pay back. I may not have told Nathan this before he came on, but that's the deal. <laughs> and Britt, as always, a joy to have you in the studio with me. Thanks, Mary. My pleasure. That's another show done and dusted. I've only got one more before I go on holidays next week. And as mentioned, Brittany will be looking after you while I'm away. You've all been... Again, very cheeky with our reviews. We are now up to 49 reviews. Actually, do you know what? I've got two people in the studio today. Maybe I won't let Elle and Nathan leave until they review (laughs) the show on iTunes. (laughs) And then next week we'll be able to give away some Ladies Who League merchandise to one very lucky reviewee. You all know what to do. Jump onto Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and say hello. You know where to find us at Ladies Who League. Have a great weekend. I wouldn't watch the rugby if I were you. You've been listening to Mary Kay from Ladies Who League.
3: Australia screams from one side to the other. Gets the ball to Morgan.
0: Morgan crosses the 20. Comes away to O'Neill. the score. You're